0: This podcast deals with adult subject matter, including depictions of drug addiction, prostitution, sexual assault, and rape.
1: Parental guidance is suggested.
2: Officer Daniel Holtzclaw, with the police department for three years, is accused of raping and sexually assaulting women he pulled over while on the job. He said, come on, come on, just a minute, just a minute. I said, sir, I can't do this. I said, you going to shoot.": Your description of him? He's
3: black. He's, okay, he's <laughs> black male. What did your daughter tell you? She said, I met this really hot cop. So this is good evidence?
2: Well, you tell me.
1: The following episode contains investigative events which occurred between May 24th and June 24th, 2014.
0: Welcome back to Bates Investigates, the podcast, Season 1, The State of Oklahoma vs. Daniel Holtzclaw. When I left off in Episode 4, 27-year-old Oklahoma City Patrol officer Daniel Holtzclaw had been accused of sexually assaulting a 57-year-old grandmother named Janie Liggins during an off-the-clock traffic stop. Only hours later, Holtzclaw was interrogated by sex crimes detectives Kim Davis and Rocky Gregory as their boss. Lt. Tim Musney watched from another room. Subsequently, Holtzclaw was placed on administrative leave and sent home. A forensic analysis of Holtzclaw's patrol car, surveillance video, and a sane exam of his accuser all came back with no evidence supporting the allegations. Regardless, both the detectives were of the opinion they not only had their man, but that he must be a serial offender. That opinion was only magnified when only days later, OCPD crime lab analyst Elaine Taylor contacted the detectives to tell them that she had found female DNA on the fly of Holtzclaw's uniform pants and it wasn't from accuser Liggins. Only five days after her alleged sexual assault, Liggins decides to make her claims public by doing an exclusive and anonymous interview with a local TV news station. After Daniel Holtzclaw was relieved of duty and sent home to await his fate, Detective Rocky Gregory began to fill in Detective Davis on the Terry Morris allegations. You'll recall Detective Gregory questioned Holtzclaw about the contact he may have had with Morris and how she was, in Detective Gregory's opinion, making the same allegations as Liggins. The case into Terry Morris's allegations began in an early morning 911 call on May 24th, 2014. The call was placed by 61 year old Oklahoma City resident Christopher Shelton, a recent and former boyfriend of 43 year old accuser Terry Morris. Hello,
1: what do you think? Oklahoma City 911, what's your emergency? Hello. 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 Hello like a motherfucker and rip my heart and, try and put it back inside. I feel like, uh, some, I feel like, uh. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Where well, are you? I'm on 23rd and Kelly. Okay, you're at a house or are you at the intersection? I'm at the Valero on 23rd and Kelly. What's going on there, sir? Oh, I see a friend of mine. She was walking down Kelly's My side, friend. falling in the street, so I gave her a ride. Okay. I was going to take her home to a-, a grandmama's house, but she wouldn't get out. So she told me to take her on 23rd. Now, I've been trying to get her out for the last 30 minutes, okay. and now she's saying... Okay. Are you in the uh, in the Valero? Pardon? You in the at the Valero, is that right? Yes, sir. What kind of car are you enter? sir? I'm in a 1992 act Legend. What color? Uh, it is uh tan. She's tearing the inside of my car at right? You. She's drunk. Uh, what's your name, sir? My name's Christopher Shelton. Christopher Shelton. Yeah, she's yanking stuff out of my car. What's uh? What's her name, sir? Her name's Terry Lynn Morris. She's white, black, Hispanic, or Indian? She's black. How old is she's she? Throwing, she? She my car up. I'm saying. Okay, she's still in the car? Well, she finally got out, man. She, man, she throwing stuff at me. Well, I, I told you, I was so wasn't She's hitting on me and everything. She tried, right? Oh my, hurt. Okay. Christopher, is she on drunk or on drugs? Yeah, something wrong with her. I just want somebody to come get her. I don't hear women or anything. What color shirt and pants are you wearing? She got a black dress on. Look like she I was an trying to help her every day. Yeah, she's throwing my darn CDs out. Yes, yeah, sir. Look like she, uh, or does she have any weapons? No, nah, she just throwing my darn car up. Uh. Yeah. Okay. The officer's already driving to you. I'm trying to help you. They, they're on their way here, Terry. Oh, yeah. Right. Some... They gonna throw they're so you going to off my So you're not call the people, the same motorcycles that are me. I don't even the... know if the police. Get your area up here, sir. <laughs> sir, I'm not yeah. driving the officers. You no, know, when okay? they do because Let me describe the police to write me the right, he doesn't... Yeah, you should see them very close, uh, very soon, uh, She just told my radio, uh... Yeah, because of he... Let me know when you see the officer. Oh uh, yeah, she's trying... I'm shutting the door. She's up here tearing my stuff up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you see the officer? Here he is. You you I need to stay you. on the phone? Uh, did the officer find you? Yeah, here they are. All right, talk to them, okay? Yes. all right, all right thank you
0: that 911 call is exclusive to this podcast i obtained it through a freedom of information request amazingly it was not part of the discovery in this case and was never presented at trial and in all fairness i think that was an oversight and a mistake by the prosecution had it been played it would have possibly been damaging to daniel's defense why about two minutes and 50 seconds into the call you heard Terry Morris make the following and seemingly unprovoked statement quote, you just called the people the same motherfuckers that raped me End quote she goes on to indicate she was raped by a police officer if true this is the only proof in this case of an accuser beyond Liggins to allege a sexual assault without first being prompted to do so and prior to any allegations being made public remember This was May 24, 2014, and Liggins didn't get pulled over until June 18 of that same year. Around 3 a.m., Oklahoma City Police Officer Dan Williams and his recruit rookie partner, Officer Jonathan Thomas, were dispatched to the Valero gas station located at the corner of Northeast 23rd and Kelly in Northeast Oklahoma City. When they arrived, they found Terry Morris disheveled and walking aimlessly in the parking lot near Chris Shelton's vehicle. At the time, Oklahoma City Patrol officers did not have body cams nor dash cams, so the following comes directly from their written reports. According to Officer Thomas's report, quote, on 5-24-2014, at approximately 0300 hours, I responded to Northeast 23rd and Kelly Avenue in reference to a domestic call. Upon my arrival, I made contact with victim Morris and involved party Shelton. Shelton stated that Morris called him upset and asked him to pick her up. Morris was acting very hyper and was unable to stand still. She was crying and stated she had been raped." Because of Morris's demeanor, rookie officer Thomas asked her if she had done any drugs recently. She replied that she had smoked some crack just a few hours ago. According to trial testimony, Morris and Shelton were separated and questioned individually. When Thomas asked Morris who raped her, she stated it was a police officer. She claimed the rape occurred within the last couple of days and gave the specific dates, May 20th or 21st. Morris said she was in downtown Oklahoma City walking to the city rescue mission from a drug rehabilitation facility in the immediate area when the officer stopped her and placed her in the back seat of his patrol car. She described the officer as about 40 years old, muscular, clean-shaven with dark skin and black hair. She said the officer ran her for warrants and had her step out of the patrol car and told her to unzip her pants. Morris claims that when she questioned the officer as to why, the officer said he could take her to jail but would let her go if she, quote, sucked his dick, end quote. Morris said the officer never touched her vagina and never tried to have vaginal intercourse. She said the officer then unzipped his pants and exposed his erect penis. She said she placed his penis in her mouth for a short period of time and that then he removed his penis and put it back in his pants. Morris said the officer did not ejaculate and when the sexual assault was over, he had her get back into his patrol car and told her he was going to drop her off at the city rescue mission. She told Thomas that the police officer then drove her around for a few minutes before simply stopping in a back alley and telling her to get out. Morris did not recall exactly where she was picked up or where she was dropped off. Officer Thomas noted that Morris said the officer in question was wearing an Oklahoma City uniform and badge and was driving a black and white patrol car. When asked why she didn't report the rape before now, Morris indicated it was because she was scared. Officer Williams then contacted Oklahoma City Police Lieutenant Michelle Holland and asked her to come to his location. Lieutenant Holland arrived at the Valero around 3.30 a.m. She asked Morris to recount what had happened. Lieutenant Holland stated in her report that Morris told the exact same story she had previously told to officers Thomas and Williams. In fact, the lieutenant specifically stated, quote, they, referring to Thomas and Williams, later stated her story did not change about the events when she retold them to me end quote. Lieutenant Holland does this in her report to give credibility to Morris and her allegations. Credibility, I would argue, you'll soon learn is undeserved and is yet another example of how easily investigators can become biased during an investigation. Lieutenant Holland then placed a call to the on-call sex crimes detective. No reason is given but that detective said they would not be responding to the scene. Unthwarted. Lieutenant Holland next calls her watch commander, Captain Melvin Davis, and advised him of the situation. Captain Davis advises to get all of Morris and Shelton's information, complete a report, and that it would be submitted to sex crimes for further investigation. Lieutenant Holland then offered to give Morris a ride to wherever she needed to go. Morris declined that offer and left on foot. Shelton reportedly drove away in his vehicle. Less than two hours later, Lieutenant Holland is dispatched to the Sooner Haven apartment complex near Northeast 36th and North Prospect Avenue. That's just over a mile and a quarter from the Valero at Northeast 23rd and Kelly. A woman had called 911 claiming that an unknown female was outside her apartment banging on the door and windows and trying to gain entry. When Lieutenant Holland arrived, she recognized the woman outside the apartment as Terry Morris. The female resident who called police initially claimed she didn't know who Morris was. Lieutenant Holland, however, noted in her report that she later learned that the female was lying and that she did indeed know Morris. Also noted in the report was that Lieutenant Holland noticed Christopher Shelton's vehicle was parked just outside the apartment also. We later learned that the apartment belonged to Shelton's new girlfriend and that Morris was upset over that fact and had come to confront them both. Lieutenant Holland notes that she allowed Morris to walk to another apartment, knock on the door, and that the unidentified male who answered agreed to let Morris come in and sleep in his apartment. 3 days later, on May 27th, the Morris case was assigned to Detective Rocky Gregory for further investigation. As with Liggins's complaint, less than a month later, Morris's complaint is taken very seriously. Detective Gregory begins by requesting the names of all officers who have recently pulled up Terry Morris's information on the Patrol Car Mobile Data Computer, or MDC. On April 11, 2014, at 8.46 a.m., Patrol Officer Jeff Sellers did a records check on Morris. Remember that name, Jeff Sellers. Detective Gregory then inquired as to what officers had run Morris through the Varuna database. That check showed that Daniel Holtzclaw had run Morris on May 8th at around 9 p.m. Both inquiries showed that Morris had no warrants at the time and in both instances, Officer Sellers and Officer Holtzclaw were not anywhere near the downtown Oklahoma City rescue mission when they encountered Morris. Detective Gregory next sought the AVL or GPS history of Officer Sellers and Holtzclaw on the dates Morris claimed she was sexually assaulted. May 20th and 21st. Sergeant Sellers was listed as light duty and was not working on the streets on those dates. Officer Holtzclaw was working patrol on both nights. Detective Gregory noted that on the 21st, Holtzclaw was downtown for a county jail arrest, but his patrol car's AVL showed no unexplained stops or irregular behavior. Detective Gregory then expanded his search to all patrol officers who came within a two-block radius of the city rescue mission that registered zero speeds on the patrol car's AVL. That inquiry turned up nothing. According to his detailed report, Detective Gregory immediately sets out to locate Morris. Unfortunately, she is listed as homeless with no mobile telephone number. Detective Gregory places calls to numerous shelters, nonprofits and service providers that are often frequented by Oklahoma City's homeless population in search of Morris. Gregory also places calls to all known telephone numbers and associates of Morris. At 10.45 a.m., Detective Gregory calls Christopher Shelton and left a voice message. At 10.56, he calls a number listed in the Veruna database for Morris. That number turns out to be Morris's grandmother who lives in the area on East Hill Street. She claims she has not seen Morris in about a month. Detective Gregory leaves his information with her just in case Morris shows up. 1105, Gregory receives a call back from Christopher Shelton and conducts a telephone interview that lasts about 20 minutes. According to Detective Gregory's report, Shelton did not know where Morris was or how to get a hold of her. Shelton stated that he has known Morris for about 14 years. He also claims Morris has no mental health issues, but that she did take some pills during a suicidal period in her life. Shelton also discloses that Morris used alcohol, but made no mention of drug use. Shelton claims that though he's known Morris for a long time, they were only romantically involved for about a month, and that was two months ago. He also said the two of them had lived with each other for a period of time in the past. Shelton claims that he has a current girlfriend but wouldn't disclose the woman's name. It was later learned it was the woman who had called 911 regarding Morris trying to break into her apartment. Shelton's version of events starts to change just a bit in this interview from the one he originally had with Officers Thomas, Williams, and Lieutenant Holland. According to Gregory's report, Shelton didn't receive a phone call from Morris, but instead just happened to be driving down North Kelly Avenue from Northeast 36th when he, quote, saw Morris walking and almost hit her, end quote. Shelton said Morris was very drunk, though we actually know she's already admitted that she was high on crack, and that he stopped and told her that he would take her to her grandmother's house on East Hill just a few blocks away. Shelton said it was during this ride that Morris mentioned, quote, she was raped by the police, end quote. Shelton also mentioned that Morris was upset with him because he was with another woman and that she had tried to contact him about the rape. Shelton told Detective Gregory that he told Morris to be quiet and that he didn't want to hear about it because he didn't believe her. Morris continued to cuss at Shelton and refused to get out of his car when he stopped in front of her grandmother's. Morris told Shelton to take her to the Valero at Northeast 23rd and Kelly Avenue. However, once they arrived, Morris still refused to exit Shelton's vehicle. Shortly thereafter, Morris began tearing up the inside of Shelton's vehicle, ripping off the cover to a CD player and physically assaulting him. That's when Shelton said he called 911. Shelton said he didn't know many details about Morris's rape allegations, but he did know she said it happened last Tuesday or Wednesday. Shelton claims that Morris said the officer placed his hands between her legs. This is a detail that doesn't match the report Morris told the officers who responded to the Valero gas station. Another detail that is slightly different is that Shelton indicates the rape occurred while Morris was seated in the back of the patrol car. You'll recall that according to police reports, Morris told the officers at the Valero she exited the patrol car was forced to perform oral sex and then placed back into the patrol car. Shelton confirmed that after he left the Valero he went to his girlfriend's apartment and that later that same early morning Morris showed up banging on the doors and windows. With the interview concluded Detective Gregory continued his search for Morris after hanging up with Shelton. At 5 p.m. Detective Gregory drives to the city rescue mission because he has been advised they couldn't release any information unless he was there in person. He is told that the last time Morris was at their facility was on May 20th. Detective Gregory is next joined by Lieutenant Tim Musney. The two of them go in person to numerous locations trying to locate Morris. Those locations include Liberty Station Apartments, where Gregory and Musney confirm Morris's street name is TT. The two also went by local convenience stores and other apartment complexes in the area, none of which proved fruitful. Over the next few days, Gregory's steady pace of inquiry continued and is detailed in police reports I've posted to this episode's homepage at holtzclawtrial.com. On June 2nd, around 11 a.m., Detective Gregory met with rookie officer Jonathan Thomas at police headquarters to go over his contact with Morris at the Valero gas station. Officer Thomas explained that he had only been on patrol for about a month when he responded to the Chris Shelton 911 call. Officer Thomas said that when he and his field training officer arrived, the first thing that she told them was that she had been raped by a police officer and that that rape occurred just a few days ago. According to Detective Gregory, Thomas recounts his interactions with Morris and her story, and they match previous reports. That said, I personally did note one difference. In this interview, police rookie Thomas now states that Morris was seated inside the patrol car when she was forced to perform oral sex. In his original report, he stated Morris was outside the patrol car, Detective Gregory apparently missed this detail and did not ask for clarification. Detective Gregory did however note that according to officers on the scene, Morris appeared to be consistent in her telling and retelling of her story. Morris also self-disclosed that she was a prostitute. When Detective Gregory asked rookie officer Thomas if he believed Morris, his response was, quote, maybe. Gregory states in his report, he asked rookie officer Thomas to go over the story yet again. This time, according to Gregory's report, there are significant differences from rookie Thomas's original report and even his first telling of the incident in person to detective Gregory just a few minutes ago. Detective Gregory now lists the following details. Morris is allegedly sober on the night of the rape. When she's standing outside of the patrol car, the officer tells her to pull down her pants, and Morris replies, no. Morris requests a female officer, and she is given an ultimatum, quote, go to jail or do it this way, end quote, indicating performing oral sex. After the rape, Morris was simply dropped off at an unknown location and doesn't recall where she went next. Morris claimed the first person she reported the rape to was Christopher Shelton. This would have been just minutes before Shelton called 911 on May 24, 2014. Officer Thomas specifically recalled asking Morris if the officer wore a condom. She replied, No. Officer Thomas also asked Morris if her breasts were ever exposed. Again, No. But Morris did allegedly tell Thomas that the officer, quote, did fill on her breasts a little bit, end quote. Each telling of the story has Morris standing outside the patrol car when she is made to unzip her pants. Lastly, Officer Thomas also stated that Morris pointed to his patrol car, a 2010 Crown Vic, and stated the officer who raped her was driving the same vehicle. All of these details and Morris's answers are going to become critical in this investigation, but somehow they will be totally discounted in detective gregory's relentless pursuit of holtzclaw the next day june 3rd at around 7 p.m. detective gregory is contacted by a confidential informant or ci referred to as cal cal said he had just spotted morris at northeast 26th and urban league court and that a patrol officer now had her in custody detective gregory immediately drove to that location and met with morris when he arrived Patrol officer Kyle May stated that Morris was not happy about being detained and had been banging her head against the metal cage in the patrol car and was asking to be allowed to leave. In fact, Detective Gregory noted in his report, quote, Morris immediately advised she did not want to go through with the investigation in regards to her sexual assault report on the unknown officer. Morris further stated that she did not want to pursue this matter any further and would not cooperate in the investigation. Detective Gregory, though, was not dissuaded. In fact, he basically lied to Morris when he let her believe that she had to come to the downtown police headquarters and fill out a refusal to prosecute form so that they could honor her wishes to be left alone. Feeling she had no other choice, Morris agreed. The following is a portion of the recording of Detective Gregory and Morris's first interview. This recording has been edited for time. A redacted version of this complete video recording will be posted to this episode's homepage at HoltzclawTrial.com. Okay,
2: Terry Lynn, I'm sorry I took some time. Thank you so much for coming down. I don't
4: know what police to trust anymore.
2: Okay, well. I don't even know who the guy is. I understand your concern, okay? And I, like I say, I've worked sex crimes a long time, okay? And I, I've put cops in jail. I've put handcuffs on cops. Well, have mm-hmm. been very difficult to find, okay? And I think you It he really wasn't
4: hiding. No, just, I guess, was it not at the right, uh, at the wrong place, at the wrong, time, right, whatever. Yeah,
2: I understand. Well, you know I gotta encourage you to go through and talk to me,
4: okay? I, I, I can't have this guy running around Oklahoma City. I, but if somebody else can do it. I don't want to. I just want to leave it alone. I want, I want to try to get these. Med- I just want to get this out of my.
2: Okay. I just want to be left alone. I understand. And, and I'm not trying to harass you, okay? I take, take a lot of medicine. I just want. Well, I, I, like I say, I'm not trying to harass I know. you. Okay? I really... I
4: know, I know. I'm just trying to look
2: just, out for a lot of women out there.
4: Oh no, I know. I know. And, but and I just can't, I can't do it. I'm not sure I'm strong enough. I can't, I can't. Okay.
2: Is it even is it even possible that I could show you some pictures?
4: No, I don't want to. Please, please. I just want to leave it alone. I just want to go. I just want to go back my life, please. Okay. Please, no. I don't want to see him or that uh, I, oh, my God, no. Well,
2: I don't even know if I have... My my deal is is I don't even want to chase after the wrong
4: guy, you know? Okay, but I don't want to. Please, don't, I don't want to be a part of nothing no more. Okay. L-
2: l- l- let me ask you, Terry. And okay, I know, don't I know do you don't... Do this I, to me, please. I, I know you don't know me,
4: okay? I know you don't... Uh, know but me. I just don't want to be a part of it. No more, okay, okay got? I am already totally scared from the get go, and I just want to leave it alone. What would
2: you think if they got stopped by this guy?
4: And they're not, please. I don't, I can only think right now. I can, that's too much for me. This is too much for me. It's it's too much? Yeah, I just, is not it, long before that. I just got to the mental hospital before that happened to me. I'm just kidding. That's your mental health. What Where you been diagnosed? Paranoid schizophrenic. With depressive
2: features, just get print it. post-traumatic disorder. With with what kind of features? Depressive. Okay, do you know, it, this says location
4: of offense. It was in show, uh, downtown, I don't know, downtown somewhere down here. Well, where was it? I don't want uh, to rehash this. Uh,
2: OK, but I, I'm just trying to figure out where, what Can location. We, so
4: I, I, I don't know, though. I don't know because I'm not from downtown. I'm from the northeast area, so I don't okay. know. Okay.
0: It Thank didn't Terry. seem
4: that far away from the city rescue mission. Okay. I don't even wasn't really sure I was ben, not far from the I'm city a, rescue mission. He said that. He said that. That we wasn't up for. I don't talk about this stuff. This,
2: this, this stuff my whole night. Is there anything I can say to persuade you to change wow. your mind?
4: What if well, you needed just, more time? No, I just want to get it, because I'm leaving it. That's why my auntie's coming to get me at the end of the because I'm having a hard time dealing with this. And
2: okay. Well, uh, you know, are you sure you wouldn't look at a few pictures?
4: Please don't, maybe. Please don't. No, I'm here. Yes, ma'am.
2: You know, I wish you would talk with me. Yeah. I'm still going to give you my my phone number because I hope I hope you do because I I don't want this guy yeah. on my police department.
4: Me, I don't want him near me.
2: I, I I don't want this guy to touch my daughters, your daughters.
4: I don't want him near me at all.
2: I can't tell you. I I just I I, I almost I want to
4: beg you to give huh? me information. I know. I was first in person. Then I talked to my cousin. I just forgot the leave it Like he said. Okay, there. He's gonna
2: take you back. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Wherever, You wanna go back to the house in urban then? gonna take you? Okay. You
0: if you change your mind, call that number, okay? With Morris's signing of the refusal to prosecute form, Detective Gregory was forced to put the investigation on hold. Fast forward now to June 18th, and the Ligon's traffic stop and subsequent interrogation of Holtzclaw. You'll recall during the interrogation, Detective Gregory asked if he had any recollection of stopping someone named Terry Morris during the city rescue mission in downtown Oklahoma City and then giving them a ride. Daniel said he did not recall that name, but was certain he's never patrolled that area and never given someone a ride to or from the city rescue mission. After the interrogation, Detective Gregory decided he needed to contact Terry Morris again, and once again, C.I. Cal was able to locate Morris and contact the police who detained Morris for Detective Gregory. Not to be too cynical, but what Detective Gregory claims happens next is like straight out of a script of a low-budget cop movie. According to Detective Gregory, the moment Morris sees him walking up to her, she exclaims, quote, He did it again, didn't he? Cue the dramatic music and insert the eye rolls. I don't mean to be sarcastic here, and it may seem out of place, but trust me, I'll be getting into a plethora of provable lies by Detective Gregory in the coming episodes. Needless to say, and conveniently enough, that comment was not recorded. According to Detective Gregory, Morris was willing to cooperate in looking at a photo lineup and discussing details of the case, but that she didn't want to be taken back to police headquarters. Detective Gregory had Detective Daniel Higginbottom show Morris the photo lineup and note her response. The following is an edited version of the audio from that photo lineup conducted with Terry Morris. This is Detective Gregory.
2: Uh, I'm here with Terry Morris at Northeast 21st and Kelly. It's June 24th, uh, 14, and it's 6.32 p.m. Uh, met with Terry. She said that she would do a photo lineup. Terry, this is uh, Detective Higginbottom, okay? Yeah. And he's gonna speak with you, and I'm gonna step on out of here, okay? Okay. Don't leave
4: me, please.
2: Okay, I, I'm just gonna step right over there, okay? Okay. Alright. Okay, Terry, how you doing?
4: I'm
3: fine. Can you hear me just fine? Yes, sir. Okay. Alright Terry, in a moment you will be shown a series of photographs in random order. This series may or may not contain a photograph of the individual who committed the crime being investigated. You do not have to identify anyone. The person showing you the photographs does not know the uh, photographic identity of the suspect. While looking at the photographs, keep in mind hairstyles, facial hair, clothing, etc are subject to change. Also, photographs do not always accurately depict a person's complexion. It may be darker or lighter than it appears in the photograph. Also, disregard any differences in the shape, size, type, quality, or color in the photographs or the paper on which they are printed.
4: Excuse
3: me, I'm sorry. okay. You uh, You should study only the person depicted in each photograph. Please do not speak to anyone other than the administrator (coughs) while viewing the photographs. You must make your own decision and not be influenced by any other person as you look at each photograph. If you see someone you recognize, please tell the administrator how you know the person. If you see a person you believe committed the crime, state in your own words how sure you are of the identification. Okay. Please do not indicate in any way or other witnesses you have or have not made an ad- identification. Okay. I've read or been advised of the above instructions and I fully understand them. Yes, sir. Okay. Let you sign right there. And today's date is the June 24th. 6:24. are right. Okay, and it is approximately 6:37. You okay?
4: Okay. That's, that's him. Okay. I think.
3: Okay, well let me, I've got several photographs to show you, so. I'm not really sure. Here's the first one. No, it's not him.
4: No, I I don't know, it could be him. Okay. See, that confused me now. No, it's not him.
3: No. No.
4: Is that okay. Two? Well, let's
3: go through it again. I want
4: to say. I'm not
3: really sure. It may not okay, be. Okay. We'll here start with now. this one.
4: I don't think it's. Here.
3: No. Okay. I
4: don't know,
3: man. I'm comp- yes or no? No. Could be. Could be. Don't know. No. No? No. No. No? OK. Could be. Could that. be. Don't know? I just don't know. Don't know? OK. It's like out of two. Do what? It's out of two pictures. I
4: can't hear you. I so said it's kind of out of two pictures that it could out of yeah. two
3: pictures? Which two are those? This one and that one. These two? Yeah. But I can't see. I don't remember the... Okay. Let me see. Well, if you don't remember, you don't remember. Okay? Not putting any pressure on you at all. You want to I'm make sure. a decision on one? No.
4: Because I'm no. not positive. Not positive?
3: Okay. Just one of those two. Yeah. Maybe. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. What what do you Tell me tell me again. Ooh, geez, that is not real, real sure. Okay. That's could your final answer?
4: Yeah, it could be that one or, uh, Okay.
3: That's your final answer? Yes. Okay. Yeah, real dark Okay, we'll go ahead and conclude the interview at this time,
0: okay? While you're able to get a feel for how a photo lineup is conducted, since there was no video in that clip, you don't really get any sense as to which specific photos Morris is reacting to. According to detective Gregory's report, Morris initially tentatively identified two officers as potential suspects in her sexual assault, officer Jeff Dutton and officer Daniel Holtzclaw. But as you heard, She changed her mind several times and continuously stated she was uncertain and confused. It's also important to know who was not included in the photo lineup shown to Terry Morris. Detective Gregory intentionally left out Officer Jeff Sellers from the mix. I find this interesting. As previously reported, Gregory knows that Officer Sellers had had contact with Morris recently. More importantly, Officer Sellers has a relevant and disturbing past. In January of 2006, the Oklahoman newspaper reported that Officer Sellers had been fired from the department as the result of an internal affairs investigation that determined he had had sex with at least one prostitute while in uniform and on duty. That prostitute reportedly made a monetary claim against the city for alleged damages. Binding arbitration later forced the Oklahoma City Police Department to rehire Jeff Sellers. Detective Gregory was asked if he found it concerning that Officer Sellers had had recent contact with Morris and that he was also known to have sex with prostitutes while on duty. Detective Gregory claimed he didn't really know anything about that incident, even though it was widely reported on the news and was a topic of much conversation within the police department. As disturbing as the fact Officer Sellers was left out of the photo lineup is, exactly how Detective Gregory creates his photo lineups is even more concerning. I am quoting from page 3312 of the jury trial transcript. Question. Whenever you assemble a lineup, what are you trying to do? Detective Gregory's answer, quote, basically what we do is we get six pictures together and then we have who we think maybe is the possible suspect somewhere in the middle of them, and we're just trying to see if the victim can identify who we think it is." This detective just admitted they allow their bias to dictate the direction of their investigation all the way down to what photos are selected to show potential victims. After the photo lineup is complete, Detective Gregory sits down with Morris for the second time to try to interview her. The following is some edited audio from that interview. Here again.
2: Just kinda I know you said you just you didn't want to talk about this, but I'd, I'd like for you to just uh, answer a couple questions for me. Okay? Can you just run down through the story one more time? Yeah,
4: it's like I've told the story like a thousand. Times.
2: Okay. But I'm trying to catch it here, okay? So I don't have to keep bothering well,
4: you. Well on my way back to the rescue. Uh, I don't really know my way downtown. Very well known. Standard City Rescue Mission. I had to come to the east side that day. Okay. And uh, the police car pulled up on me. Yeah, it stopped. Asked me my name, all that familiar stuff. Took my purse, searched it. Then put me in the car where he run the check. I didn't know warrants or nothing. Then, uh, well, I had a, I had a, a pipe though, and he said I could take you to jail for this, you know. And I was like, um, oh, oh, oh man, 'cause I because my boyfriend cheated on me. And you what? My boyfriend cheated on me. We was kind of breaking up. All
2: right, he right. so found I, the pie, then yeah. what?
4: Yeah, and uh, so he just kept kind of messing with it, playing with it in the front. Then he got out, kind of sitting there, like I'm sitting. He opened the door, and he asked me, uh, he said, he asked me, he said, uh, told me to unzip my pants. He said, unzip me, he said, you got any panties on? He told me to raise my shirt up. Then he told me to give did, him Did some you stuff.
2: raise your shirt up? Yeah. Did he ask you to raise it so he could see your, your breasts?
4: He didn't say that. He just said raise your shirt up.
2: Okay. And
4: he went me under my pants, and I was like, what? So I know it wasn't right. Then he uh, asked me for some some, some oral sex.
2: How, well, how did he, say, he ask that?
4: Oh, I can't. He said oh, he'll give me some head. I won't take you to jail or something, he was saying. Okay. He said, take me to jail for a fight. I said throw them things away and break them. Then what? Then I just kind of got quiet and I cried and I asked him, please don't do this, They'd make me do it. And he said, yeah, I just, just do it for a couple of minutes. Alright. Then he would leave me alone and see him. So I did.
2: Did he take it out through a zipper? Yeah. Or a I don't
4: know. It already. I don't remember. Okay. I don't even see How it. long
2: did he have it?
4: Uh, probably about a couple of minutes. A
2: couple of minutes?
4: Then he wanted me to do it again. I don't know I'm then he said, you know you can't tell anybody about this time or something. And I so I just want to get back to this, the mission. I just want to go back to the city rescue mission. I'm just talking to my mama. And he says, uh, if you want to ride us in the walk it. And I got out and I was going to make a step and he said "Nah, I want nothing bad to happen to you, so get back in the car, so get back in the car. And I was like, I can walk, I'll find it. And then he pulled somewhere where he started going another route. And I seen it once and I was like, hey that's the place right there, he said, he said yeah, he was going to go around or something.
2: The place meaning the rescue mission?
4: Yeah. He said he was gonna go around because he was a hog. I said, this ain't the right way. And and then he kind of pulled, he pulled somewhere not that far. It wasn't far.
2: Did you stay at the mission that night?
4: No. I left. I was just, I was traumatized. It freaked me out.
2: Now you said it was a car like this one, the older police car? Yeah. Okay. Describe him one more time. Uh, You know this is important.
4: I my How tall? Eyes.
2: How tall do you think he is? Uh,
4: about 6'1", maybe 6'2", 6 feet, anywhere. Okay.
2: What color hair?
4: Dark brown, black.
2: Okay. Um, and was he clean-shaven? Yeah. What do you think he'd weigh?
4: Oh, I'm not a good with weight. Like okay.
2: That. I'm six foot and I weigh 220.
4: Okay. I'd say maybe uh, 260,
2: 270. I don't know. Okay. Alright. And he was what race?
4: Heck, he, I think he was white. Maybe he an Indian or in Irish or something. Because his skin, bless him. was like, you know, like a dark color.
2: It was darker? OK. Like, he's
4: white, but it's like, I don't know.
2: Did you see his eyes?
4: I can't remember. I wonder.
2: Can't remember. OK.
4: I wanted to say they was blue, but I
2: cannot remember. You see any scars, marks, or tattoos? No. OK. And was he thin, or no? He was
4: like solid muscular, like
2: solid muscular. Yeah. Top. So, and had he ever stopped you before?
4: I really don't know. So many police just stop me.
2: Do you think he ran you that day? Huh? You think he checked you for warrants? Who? This officer. When? The the day that it happened. Do you think he...
4: Well, he's... I don't know. He was up there doing something on the thing, but I didn't hear nobody What
2: thing? Get, like the computer like that? Yeah,
4: but I never heard nobody get back with him. Oh, I think, no, he did because he said it was clear.
2: Did you hear a radio?
4: Oh, um, I think so. I'm it, getting confused
2: it's now. It's okay. I, I don't
4: want to confuse you.
2: Do you remember him calling out your name? Like to a dispatch? Yeah, he
4: said T- No, I don't know. There was a mosquito. I, th- I think, I don't think he said my name. I'm not really sure anymore. Do you think the
2: computer was on?
4: Oh, I don't know. I was just head to down. You don't know? I think it was.
2: So you think you, you gave him head for two minutes?
4: Oh no, Two or three. I don't know.
2: Did he have his hands on you no. while you were doing this? No. No? I well,
4: don't I can't remember. It's all. It's trying to jump a lot up. I I can't remember. Please, I not that great. I don't think so, but I'm not one hundred percent sure.
2: Is there anything that you can think of that I didn't ask?
4: In the uniform like that.
2: Like, like mine?
4: It looked like not nails, strands of hair it didn't look like it was out of place.
2: Do, do what?
4: It didn't look like none of his hair was out of place.
2: Did he have a part in his hair? Yeah. Mm. You're showing your left side, is that right?
4: Well I don't know which side being a port.
2: How old do you think he so.
4: um,
2: How old do you think he was?
4: Maybe I don't know, thirties, forties. I don't know, fifties.
2: Um, and what time of day do you think this happened? Oh
4: man. Maybe I don't know, about six, seven, eight. It was dark.
2: Oh, was it in the morning? Or was it in the afternoon? No, it was
4: dark. It was evening. It was dark. It wasn't late. But it was the beginning. You know, it started getting dark. It just got dark. It hadn't been dark that long.
2: So you're not for sure on the time? Now, before, you you thought it was at the end of May. May 20th, 21st. Is that still? Yeah. That still sounds right? Like yeah. just a couple of days before you talk with the officers? Yes, sir. Okay. Are you interested in going forward with this? Mm-hmm. You sure?
4: Yeah.
2: You know I want you to, because I told you about. Yeah,
4: yes, sir, I know. I don't want to be involved no more. That's all I can do. I just want to put it behind me. I want to. You just what? Just, I want to put it behind me, get out of my system.
2: Hang on one sec, I need to ask. But you don't know a a Janie?
4: Janie? I'm not
2: a Janie. Do you know a Janie Liggins? Black female, about fifty-seven years old.
4: No, I don't know
2: Okay. Now you're still saying a couple blocks from the mission.
4: Yes.
2: I know I keep covering it, but you know that there's a reason. Do you know which direction?
4: No, because I didn't even know my way around downtown, period. Did oh, he ever touch your breast? No, he just told me to raise myself.
2: How far did you raise it? I
4: raised it all the way up, like he told me.
2: So did your boobs come out? Yeah. What do you do when you
4: Nothing. I please
2: go. Okay. I'm not gonna keep you. I just you understand why I'm yeah, I'm asking all I don't these questions.
4: Ask them all questions. That's a lot. I don't you understand. got
2: my phone number, right?
4: Oh no, 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 I need it again.
2: Okay. Hey, don't be running on off. Hang on. I know you're rip roaring ready. Grabbing your purse and ready to run. Got a FI car. Now, you remember my name, Detective Gregory. Yeah, I
4: thought that was great.
2: Even if you lose this, no, I work at Sex Crimes, Oklahoma City. And all you got to do is just call downtown if you think of anything that would be helpful. Okay.
0: We've now heard this very detailed version from Terry Morris numerous times. First, to each of the two officers that responded to the Valero gas station 911 call. Then, to Lieutenant Holland after she arrived on scene. We next heard it each of the two times that Detective Rocky Gregory interviewed Morris. While some of the small details changed, inside the car, outside the car, breasts exposed, not exposed, touched, not touched, the main points remained constant. The rape occurred just a few days prior to Christopher Shelton's 911 call. Morris specifically stated either the 20th or 21st of May. Shelton was the first person Morris confided in. The sexual assault occurred in downtown Oklahoma City and Morris was walking from a drug rehabilitation center to the city rescue mission. The officer was driving an older model, black and white 2010 Crown Vic. And lastly, the officer who raped her exposed his penis with little to no effort and he was not wearing a condom. All of these things Terry Morris was sure of and repeated over and over again next throw in the fact that the very first time we hear about this rape is during what is often referred to as an unsolicited excited utterance in the background of Christopher Shelton's 911 call then there's Morris's description of her attacker mixed-race white male at least six foot tall solid muscle about 260 pounds clean shaven with dark hair it sounds a lot like daniel holtzclaw i'd be insulting you if i didn't admit it didn't look good for daniel but what if i told you terry morris is about to admit that the majority of her story is a complete and convenient lie and she's not the only one caught lying that and more in the next episode of Bates Investigates, the podcast, season one, the state of Oklahoma versus Daniel Holtzclaw. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a five-star review. If you'd like to know more and see many of the files used to compile this episode, please visit this season's homepage at holtzclawtrial.com. You can also follow updates on our Facebook page at In Defense of Daniel Holtzclaw, or on Twitter at Holtzclaw Trial. Bates Investigates, Season One. The Daniel Holtzclaw case is researched, produced, and edited by me, Brian Bates. This has been a Bug Stomper production. <laughs>
2: huh? <laughs> Bugs.